so often we think that problems are bigger than they are. We give them more space in our world and in our mind and with our energy than they actually are. So thinking of like mortgage world is a client is upset about a rate or your assistant didn't do something that you asked them to. And we allow ourselves to have emotion or to experience emotions in response to that, that may be disproportionate given the amount of other actual issues that can arise in our lives. And I call it a gift in sandpaper because the gift of perspective that going through a life-altering experience specifically around your health, it's absolutely amazing. The most inspiring stories from today's most successful mortgage brokers. Join your host, Scott Peckford, on I Love Mortgage Brokering. Hey, Broker Nation. Scott Peckford here. Today on the show, I have Christine Buman. Christine has been on multiple episodes with me in the past. And about six months ago, maybe a little longer, Christine was diagnosed with cancer, which is absolutely horrible. And we talk about that journey on this episode. And honestly, like normally, like Christine's extremely, actually, she still is crazy. She still is very upbeat and positive person. And I'm not gonna lie, I was a little nervous to have this conversation because I wasn't sure like how it was gonna go, but so grateful that Christine was willing to come on to be vulnerable, to share what she's going through, that it's okay to struggle. And uh, I found it just incredibly inspiring, honestly. And I know that if you're listening to this, I mean, everybody's been affected by cancer or most people. If you haven't, it's only a matter of time, whether it's you or a family member. And so it's not really a mortgage related podcast. It's more about the mindset around the struggle of getting this diagnosis and how that throws your whole world into a tailspin. But honestly, Christine is like a absolutely amazing human being. And I'm so grateful to not only know her, but for her to be willing to share this. So check this out. This is in three parts. So make sure you listen to all three of them. It's going to be worth it. Before we jump into that, I got to give a shout out to our title sponsor, Finmo, their Canadian mortgage application document collection submission platform designed specifically for Canadian borrowers. Very easy to use. It's got really smart features built in, like smart docs. It knows what documents clients need. It's got smart notes. So when you hit the submission, it knows what to pull. You can check them out at lendesk.com slash Finmo. And also on the Ask the Expert segment, I talked to Jeff Hill from SureX. And SureX is, think of it like a mortgage broker for house property insurance. And they basically are built into Finmo and Phylogix. And you just click a button and clients can get quotes from different insurance companies. It's pretty awesome. And we talked to him about fires and floods with property insurance. Check this out. Hey, Christine, welcome back to the show. Hi, Scott. Thanks for having me. So let's chat. There's been a lot going on in your life in the last little bit. And talk to me about that. So what's been happening? And, you know, the hair, you know, right now you have very little hair. So let's talk about that and some of the other things that have been happening. Yeah. So I have cancer. I'm healing from cancer. I'm trying to choose my words wisely around, you know, just describing what's been going on. But my hair is growing back a little bit. It's supposed to fall out again because I'm still in the middle of chemo, but I'll take whatever I could get in the moment. So yeah, I've spent the last six months really doing a lot of self-exploration and trying to love my body through this healing journey of getting rid of the cancer that's trying to invade. Right. And as we were saying before, we talked for like 20 minutes from the recorder because we just we always do when we start chatting. First off, I want to say kudos to you for being willing to come on and chat and even on camera and chat and everything with what you're going through. Maybe just walk me through sort of how you found out about this and then what you've been learning along your journey and then any encouragement. There's a lot of questions here, but I know once you get going, you can fill a half an hour, no problem. And uh, what you've been learning along the way and any encouragement for somebody else who's kind of 
either has somebody in this right now or they're going through this. I think you said one in four women is going to get diagnosed with cancer at some point. And so I think this is an important discussion. So maybe just start from the beginning, if you wouldn't mind. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I'll try and do the condensed version. But essentially, I got sick in March of 2021 with COVID. We thought I had what they call long COVID. And so I was doing a lot of natural treatments for that. And then in November of 2021, I found a lump in my breast. So I went to the doctor and they just sort of dismissed it, I suppose, said you're fine. And then in March of 2022, started having more symptoms, including lumps in my armpit. So I went back again as well. And then again, just sort of being dismissed because when I walk into a doctor's office, most often I was showing up trying to make everyone else around me feel comfortable and Mm -hmm. with good energy and I was healthy. So they didn't seem to think anything was wrong. And then kept going back periodically throughout the rest of that year because there were a lot of symptoms that I was having that just didn't seem normal. And it was being dismissed as long COVID. And then in December of 2022, they finally biopsied the lumps in my armpit. Evidently, the lumps that had been there since March of that year had been when the cancer had spread. So it took a long window of time after we found out. All I knew is they said high-grade carcinoma. And then it was sort of a hurry up and wait. So it was about three weeks of just sitting. I think I was sharing with you earlier. I actually, me being, you don't really wait very well. So I tracked a pathologist who was doing the testing and was calling probably more than I should. And it turns out the delay was that it's a really complicated cancer that I had, or cancer diagnosis that I have in that the primary tumor in my breast or the primary lump had actually collapsed. So they think it wasn't cancer and they can't actually find the source of it. All they know is that it spread to my lymph nodes. And yeah, in January, I ended up getting some private testing done, sort of creating my own little oncology team. And I found a really amazing oncologist who said, we need to start your treatment right now. And so you have to be a resident of Surrey within, you know, three hours. So my entire world changed in a very short window of time and the quality of care also changed. So I became a patient of hers and she helped me put together a few other people who have just been amazingly brilliant. And then one thing I don't think I shared with you is that I knew that that's what I needed was my kids nearby. So my phone packed up my entire life in three hours, went to bed and then packed my kids in. And in this window of time, I didn't know if it would be Aquarius or Polona that I'd be going to. I was trying to explore all options. So packed in my kids and I was like, we're doing cancer our own way. And then we headed out at six in the morning. And that was the last time I've been to my house. And then I had a private PET scan done. And it showed that unfortunately the cancer had spread and was saturated throughout my chest. And so the surgeon said, you need to aware that because you had this private one done, which would have been done faster than through the medical system, it did show really a deep degree of saturation. So you may not be able to get any treatment. So you need to be prepared that when you see your oncologist tomorrow, unfortunately, they may not have options for you because our medical system is free, right? So they have to triage people who can actually save their life. It was a long night. And oh yeah, uh, my goodness, yeah. Thinking like, did I hear that correctly? And Then when I saw the oncologist, he gave me two choices. He said, you can do three types of chemo, which would be a really aggressive route for six months, starting weekly, considerable amount more side effects, but will have higher degree of efficacy. Or the second option would be one type of chemo for four months on a different tool, 
However, there's a higher chance of reoccurrence. So I really had to sit and think about that. My first reaction was always like, go with the aggressive one, be the buffalo. But there's also a part that I had to consider of quality of life, especially mm. if this is the end of my life, then how do I want to spend it? Because I didn't know anything about chemo and how sick it would make me, but it's chemicals being pumped into your body. And leading into this, I didn't even take Tylenol. So right. I really didn't. And anyways, I sat on it and I thought about it and I was like, I know I have to do this aggressive one. I know I have to leave it all on the table or leave it all on the field. So I started with that one and I designed to be cumulative. So my cognitive functions definitely declined a little bit, as you can probably tell, but I'm heading into my last one, hopefully on Thursday. And then from there, they'll do surgery, remove all my lymph nodes. And then hopefully if the cancer is starting to go away and the chemo has been working, then they'll move me through to radiation four or five to seven weeks every day. And then one of the types of chemo or immunotherapy for another six months after that. So it's a very long journey. However, because I was set up in the beginning and because of how overwhelming the beginning part of it was and understanding of that, I may not be able to be treated at all. I'm just so grateful to be getting treatment, to be with a team of professionals who genuinely care. They share my same sense of urgency. And Mm -hmm. yeah, they've been an amazing support for me. That really does help. You do not seem to have any cognitive function decline to me. You know, you may notice it, but I can't tell talking to you. So what has been like your biggest like takeaway from this whole situation? I mean, this is not something you'd wish on anybody, but you're the kind of person who will always find, you know, learnings or stuff in it. So what has been your biggest thing that you've taken away from this whole situation? The biggest one from the whole thing would be it can always get worse. Probably mm-hmm. that's the first thing that comes to my mind. I don't know if that's the biggest, but so often we think that problems are bigger than they are. We give them more space in our world and in our mind and with our energy than they actually are. So thinking of like mortgage world is a client is upset about a rate or your assistant didn't do something that you asked them to. And we allow ourselves to have emotions or to experience emotions in response to that, that may be disproportionate given the amount of other actual issues that can arise in our lives. And I call it a gift in sandpaper because the gift of perspective that going through a life-altering experience specifically around your health, just, it's absolutely amazing. I've never heard that before, gift and sandpaper. So it's like, it's not comfortable, basically. It's going to be hard. Yeah, it's going to be really hard to get through. But then once you're there, it's worth it. Hard as it is, and as this, I mean, I'm still in the thick of it. I'm sure with you before. Yeah, you are. No, it's, I mean, most people, like the fact that they even talk about this would wait till it's done. But you're, again, as I say, courageous in that you're in the middle of it and you're willing to share. And, and I know that a lot of other people in the mortgage space have either had cancer or have family members. And so- you know, you sounded like there was a little bit of, they dismissed some of your stuff initially. So would you do anything different if you were coaching yourself back when you initially were getting these? Because I know nothing, you can't change the past, but this is more for other folks listening. Is there something that you would say or encourage them to do? It's challenging because I had a lot of people say like, aren't you angry? Or do you hold on to a negative energy around that whole experience? For me, there's one of the types of chemo that I'm on, and I call it chemo lucid, it's called immunotherapy, that wouldn't have been available back then. It wouldn't have been available when I first got sick. And who knows how long, I mean, what I've been studying cancer, my understanding is that it lives in your body for a long time prior to actually showing itself. 
So, I mean, this type of immunotherapy, given that I have stage three triple negative breast cancer with no primary tumor. So it's a challenging one to treat and it has very high level of reoccurrence or very high chance of reoccurrence. But this new immunotherapy, it only got permission to actually be used with chemo maybe two weeks before my diagnosis. And it actually the infusions at a different clinic than even before with my chemo. So looking back at that whole experience, I really do think everything happens for a reason for me is yes, could I've gone a few years without having to be you know, debilitated many weekends. And I was sick for a really, really long time. So I would say, of course, there are the basic things like advocate for yourself to trust your body. I think probably if I had to choose one thing, it would be that our bodies are so much smarter than we give them credit for. And to mm-hmm. listen to that they're giving us, I think I've talked about it actually with you before, is that we have more neurons in our stomach than in our brains. And so I've, we heard, have, that, I've read that too. It's like you're all so much of your health is tied to your gut, right? Like it's, it's crazy. And, and you've got so often we have this like illusion in our mind, just like at one point everyone thought the world was flat. Well, we have this illusion that our brains are the center of knowledge and that our brains dictate what our bodies mm. do. And our brains have a significant influence, absolutely. But we often neglect the reverse. We have a feeling. Sometimes you feel fear and you don't know why and it doesn't make sense to you. Or you feel anxiety or you feel overwhelmed, but we often rationalize it and we overthink it or we just stuff those feelings down because we think logically they don't make sense. Rather than looking and it's a whole other conversation as well, but I'm trying to venture into a new space where I just view emotions as sort of a messenger and say, okay, what is this trying to tell me? And so I often think of, I had to make a mental shift. I kept thinking in the beginning, like, why me? Why me? I'm really helping do well. I try and be kind, like, why me? And then I really take this shift internally. And I thought of those words because I love words of like, why me? Why me? And then I really one day had this epiphany of like, why me? Why was I put in this position? For what purpose? Rather than feeling victimized by the circumstance, it's feeling empowered by curiosity and saying, for what purpose is this entire experience happening? And Mm -hmm. I lean into that experience and what learning can I take for myself and for others as well. Right. Oh, that's so crazy. All right. So uh, thanks again for listening to that conversation. There's another one coming up where I continue my discussion with Christine about some of these things that she's been going through. Before we end, though, I got a conversation with Jeff Hill from SureX talking about property insurance and fires and floods and how they affect your insurance. Uh, Listen to that. Hey, Jeff. Welcome to Ask the Experts. Scott, great to be here. Thanks so much. So, hey... Today, we're going to talk about a couple of things when it comes to property insurance, and I think it's fires and floods. And so, you know, dun, 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 we can play like some doom and gloom. Yep. Doom and gloom music. But there's things that you need to be aware of if you're in these areas or they're high risk or they're currently happening. And I think it'd be useful for brokers to understand it because it can affect the financing. It can affect you know, pricing and all these things. And so why don't we jump into, tell me about, maybe we'll talk about fires first. What things do brokers need to be aware of, you know, when they talk about fires? And I want to talk to you about an area that's high risk. Like I live in the Okanagan, that's high risk. We've had definitely our series. And then also the second part of that would be like when there's an act of something in the region, because I think there's two parts to it. So you there is. that. Yeah, absolutely. So if you are in an area like a floodplain or, you know, an area like the Okanagan where there's risk of fires, 
that typically gets built into your pricing. And so, you know, if you're on the bottom of a floodplain, your insurance is going to cost more than if you're out of the way for obvious reasons. There's just higher risk. And so unfortunately, that's not something you can avoid. It does get priced differently from carrier to carrier. So that's why, you know, getting multiple quotes from multiple people is beneficial. Just because if you're going to, you know, an agency that has one market, they might overrate floods in that area and you might get a higher rate. So that's one of the benefits of the service we provide is it gives you choice, but it's definitely something you're going to be aware of. And as a broker, if you have a budget conscious client, having some vague knowledge of disaster zones, hey, fires go through here, you're on a floodplain. And you know that could make the difference for your client of 20, 30, $40 a month. And so if they're really, really tight on budget, it might make a difference to move them over a postal code where there's less likely you know, damage from floods or anything like that. Right. Okay. So what happens if there's like an active say a fire in the region or something that's going on? Because we've had that here in Cologne. We've had, you know, some significant fires and I think you caused it you binding something what is that what is yeah that? so carriers will do is they will pause the binding authority to their brokers and that binding authority is our ability to issue coverage before a policy is issued so that's where you know we can say hey we have binding authority we like this property you can go get insured and then we send your application off to the carrier they actually issue the policy so unfortunately you know out east we had our own issues in Alberta. You guys in the Okanagan are no stranger to this. When fires spring up, what carriers will do is they're obviously monitoring how those fires are spreading and the path of the fires. And I'll use Drayton Valley in Alberta as an example. A couple of weeks back, all of our carriers across the board just said, nope, no business is being sold in Drayton Valley. The entire town and community was evacuated and the carriers just said, you are not allowed to write any business there just because, you know, the danger was so imminent. Right. And then, so I think you'd also mentioned to me before when we were chatting, you've seen that happen in like other markets, like in Vernon, for instance, when there was fires in the Okanagan. So tell me about that. So like why choice matters here? Because sometimes, yes, it, it get complete lockdown, but other times there's also, there are options for people. Absolutely. We had a story from a broker in the Okanagan a couple of years ago when you guys were having your fires and they had a client up in the Vernon area. And they were denied coverage from their existing carrier because they were in the fire path. And so they did a quote with us. And because of our multiple markets, we had two or three that were willing to quote on that area still. So we weren't able to get them the greatest rate, but we were able to provide a solution there. So they were able to get their insurance in place. Transaction went through. Thankfully, you know, nothing funky happened with the home after the fact. But that's another example where choice made a difference for them is they were able to find one or two that were still taking business and right. therefore get the deal get done. Coverage. What, yeah. no, talk to me about floods. So we've actually had some flooding. Like I feel like we're living in the apocalypse lately. It's like it's, we either have fires or floods or like we haven't had frogs and you know, other pestilence yet, yet maybe it's coming, locusts, but what about floods? Is there any differences? And do you have to pay extra to get flood coverage? Or is that just baked in if you're in the area? What, how does that work? It does. Yeah. So there is different levels of flood coverage. Most of us have coverage so that if, you know, unfortunately I had to deal with this a few months ago, your sump pump backs up and fails and the water comes up through the water table. So that's up ground water. That's baked into most of our coverages. What flood is, is when water actually enters the home through like a window or a door, like what people experienced in High River a couple of years ago. And so there is a difference between like internal water coverage and flood coverage. So if you have a client who lives in an area 
again, that's our job to communicate that, but it's just something you as a broker, you want to be aware. Yeah, it's not, again, I like to, under, the more I understand about the entire process, the better. So then you would get an extra, would it be like a rider or like, how does that work on top of your Yeah, insurance? it's no different than kind of when you get hail coverage on your car, you know, your standard coverage is there and then you've got additional endorsement coverage for if hail hits. So same thing with flood. So flood would be an additional coverage that you can add on to your policy so that if water started flowing in through the doors and windows. So, okay. I'm curious about this. If you were to look at like you got clients in an area where that's a risk, what percentage of people will take the extra coverage versus won't? Because they're like, oh, that's a great question. Shoot from the hip here, but it's probably like 60, 40, 40 will take it, 60 won't. Okay, that's actually higher than I thought because people tend to be like, that won't happen to me. You know, it's kind of like when we were told we have to wear seatbelts, like I don't need a seatbelt, I'm a good driver. And then, yeah. you know, but it's the reality is, is that we're probably not. You know, it's interesting. We've had four floods. Three of them recovered by insurance. One of them was a break in the line between the property and the house. Yeah. And the insurance company's like, well, that was like an external thing that came in. And the yep. city's like, it's not our problem because it's on your property. It wasn't city. And so that one we had to cover ourselves. So I feel like Noah, I'm like, you know, if there's a flood going to happen. And I think you said this to me before, but like you as an individual are not going to be refused coverage if you just happen to have, I just happen to have had bad luck with floods, but that doesn't mean I'm not going to get coverage, right? Exactly. The housing market's a lot different than the auto market. Obviously in the auto market, if you've had a DUI and a history of non-pays on your auto insurance, that kind of sticks with you. With home insurance, it is more geared towards the property itself. So they're evaluating the property and less the individual who lives in it. Yeah, I guess in a vehicle, every day you get in it, you actually have control over that, you know, 3,000 pounds of steel rolling down the road and your choices really matter in terms of damage you cause. Whereas a house, it's a lot more difficult. It's not like I got to drive my house somewhere. It's like, you know, I sure I got to maintain it, but I'm sure that that's probably part of it. It's more to do with the property itself. And more often than not, yeah, things that happen to houses that require claims are external, right? It's that broken pipe. It's the hailstorm that punches holes in your siding. It's, right. you know, the forest fire. So in my case, it's your teenage daughter who crashes into your garage. So oh yeah, God. it's external. It's less what you do to yourself. But I, once, I was a paramedic and I had a patient who got in his car and he went, instead of putting it in reverse, put it in drive, and he drove through his garage wall, through his laundry room. Into oh, wow through the back wall and into the backyard. Like the car was oh, stuck. He in the went backyard. through the house. Through the house. And I, and so I show up and I'm looking at him and he's sitting on a lawn chair in the front yard and he's kind of holding his hand in his head. And I'm looking at him. He's totally fine. Thank God. And thank God his wife or nobody was in the laundry room because he would have killed them. And I'm looking at him. I'm looking at the hole in the house and I'm like, well, you know, if you're thinking about putting in French doors, now's the time to do it. Yeah. <laughs> he was like, I don't appreciate your humor. I was like, well, <laughs> Man, you're like, I know, you know, as a paramedic, sometimes you say things that are inappropriate, but would something like that be covered by insurance? Would that be auto or would that be house? Just that that, so for my instance, my daughter also made a joke after that happened and I didn't appreciate her humor either. <laughs> okay, so, so fair but uh, yeah, it was a home insurance claim. And so that's, yeah, the home insurance covered that and we had to fix the car on our own. So, right. uh, okay. So what was the last kind of final word on this idea of floods and fires that people need to be aware of? Just be aware, you know, again, as a mortgage broker, you know, the biggest thing is if you have clients who are budget conscious, you know, being aware of some of these perils could make or break a difference on, you know, their premiums that they pay. And, you know, also just being aware of being able to advocate for them the best way possible. So it's not going to make or break a deal for you guys, but it's just a nice thing to be aware of that, again, could be a curveball down the road, unexpected if they find out, oh, we're in a floodplain and my insurance is double what it was in my last house. 
those are things that do come up occasionally. Right. The lesson in any of this is like once that file is approved and you know it's going through, get the insurance taken care of early because it will cover a whole bunch. It gives people more time and off. So just sooner is better. when it comes Absolutely. To sooner is always better. You never know what kind of curveballs are going to come up. So the sooner you get it in the application, the better. And you just avoid that. Any unnecessary stress as you come up on your closing. And Okay. Let me ask you this last question. So let's say I've got a place, I'm closing on it in 30 or 60 days. I get my insurance approved, even though I don't own it yet. And then a fire comes into place. Will that policy be still effective if I haven't closed yet? Or is it only effective when it closes? Great question. So yeah, it's effective when you take possession. And so if you know a fire came before that closing date, that would actually fall under the insurance of the previous owner. So it is technically not your property until that closing date. So if anything funky happens- but Would you be able to close then or no? What would happen? What oh, would that's a great question. If there was like a peril in between, yeah, there would probably put a halt on the closing date, right? right. It would probably change depending on the severity of the peril. Yeah, that makes sense. Plus it's hard to move in the middle of a firestorm. Yeah, so. exactly. Yeah. Well, but if, if somebody guys- drove a hole through, it's probably easier to move. You walk your couch right in. Right so. in, right, into, right to the backyard. Okay. Yep. Well, you guys listen to this. You got three ways you can get a hold of SureX. Go to SureX.com. You can get set up. They can help you with this. Take care of your clients. Again, do it sooner than later. If you're on Philogics, you can go click a button, get instant access. It'll like literally spit an, you know, an application over to you guys. We can deal with it. And Finmo, which is coming very soon, also has that. So you can just click a button and you guys will take care of it. So Jeff, thanks for coming to chat with me, man. And I love learning new things. And glad your daughter's okay. At least, you know, on the She's side. fine. Just emotional damage. So she's all good. Thanks so much. Appreciate it, Scott. All right. Thanks again for listening to these episodes today. And if you have somebody in your life that you care about, hopefully you do, maybe hopefully many people, give them a hug, man. Like this is some tough stuff that Christine's going through and she's been a big part of the mortgage community. And I am so thankful for her as well as for her willingness to share. So if you know her, shoot her a note, say, hey, Christine, thinking about you, you know, get well. I think that that would be amazing if you could do that. And uh, I'll see you on the next show. This is an I Love Mortgage Brokering production.